Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Welcome to this episode of the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. I'm Nick Rudy, your host. Thanks for joining me today. We have a special guest on today, Bob Lorenzer from Marquette. He's running as a Democrat against Jack Bergman for Michigan's 1st Congressional District. Dr. Bob holds several advanced degrees and served a few years as a diplomat for the Department of State. So we talked about that a little bit. We talked about his campaign, the divide between Republicans and Democrats and how he seeks to help fix the divide and his thoughts on some key issues such as the Second Amendment and abortion. Today, we're joined by Dr. Bob Lawrencer of Marquette, who is running as a Democrat for Michigan's first congressional district. So thanks for coming in. Uh, how are you doing today? Thank you for having us. Yep. Doing well. Of course. So just want to get right into it. Uh, what really like piqued my interest in particular was your time as a U.S. diplomat. So can you um, kind of talk about your time as a, a diplomat for the Department of State? Yeah, we joined uh, in 2011. I, I still remember the night. Uh, my son from Boston gives me a call and said, Dad, what do you, bu- what do you think about me joining the Foreign Service? Well, uh, one year later, I'm in the Foreign Service, and he was still in Boston. <laughs> so we joined, uh, the foreign, uh, we joined the Foreign Service, Peggy, uh, my wife Peggy and myself, um, in 2011. We're called Regional Medical Officer. We're diplomats, but my title uh, was a Regional Medical Officer. So that person uh, serves, uh, serves as the counselor to the ambassador on any health or medical issues involving the country or the population of the embassy. Um, I also direct the, the medical care for everyone that's involved in the diplomatic community for the region that I serve. Um, did five tours, first tours in Pakistan. Uh, the second tour was in Korea. Um, in Korea, I covered Mongolia, East Russia, East Russia, and some other places. Third tour was in Afghanistan. Fourth was in North Africa, living in Morocco, covering about five or six countries in North Africa. That's why we, they're calling us regional. And my final tour was two years in Iraq. Very nice. So that's been all over the place. So I want to kind of bring it back to, you know, northern Michigan. The, the first district was held by Democrats, as I'm sure as you know, from 1933 to 2010. So that was a very long period of time. Can you speak to why Democrats lost that reliable seat and how you seek to use, uh, you know, its, his, his, its history as a Democratic stronghold to your benefit? Yeah, the, so Bart Stupak, if I could go back to more recent history for sure. myself, Bart Stupak, a Democrat from Escanaba, held the seat for nine t- uh, terms. After, after his term, then it switched over to the Republican mm-hmm. uh, side. Um, that was a swing throughout the whole nation. And if I could, uh, Bart Stupak most probably lost his race because at that time the Affordable Care Act was coming into, uh, into play. Bart was an instrumental congressperson to get that passed. The Tea Party was coming on in. I think a combination of the divide. If you think the nation's divided now, it was starting to divide oh, 10 sure. years ago. So that was the start of it. Right. Now, that's a good point, too, that you made that. You know, everyone so lives so far into the moment of politics that they always think it's the worst it's ever been. But or it's just like all of a sudden it just happened, yeah. and it's been something that's been in the works for you know twenty five plus years. You know, um, so 
the the elections have been getting wider, but you know, kind of back to that that last part of the question, how do you seek to use that you know that history to your benefit? Do you, you, you think that you can reclaim a lot of that votership from you know Bart's you know when he was winning? Yes, we do. I, I don't think we talked about this last night at the town halls. I was just in Sheboygan. The Upers and the Northern Michiganders haven't changed that much. Over a period of time, the message has changed. So if we look at the 1st District, I don't think that the people of the 1st District, the businesses, the beliefs, the ideals, uh, have changed in the members of the 1st District. The message that they have been receiving, and I could say some of it is disinformation, some of it is misinformation, I think that has changed. If we can end up changing the message back, message back to what's, uh, what's important for us. And so that's, that, that's what you're we'll campaigning get, on Yeah, that's what will get the, the vote back. The okay. message should be, you know, not that. The message should be what it was p- before, what's important to members of the 1st District. Education, health care, technology in terms of uh, broadband. I, I, I live in Marquette that I actually even drive in here. I probably have one-third of the distance that I can't even get uh, cell phone coverage. Sure. So that's what's important to the 1st District. That's what we need to bring it back to. And that's what kept the, the Democrats, I think, in the lead for a long period of time. So I, I would like to get into specific issues of no, um, I was obviously on your website, scrolling around and just kind of looking at all the issues that you were covering, did a nice job kind of laying everything out. Um, so I want to start with the environment, uh, specifically line five. Obviously, that's always it, in the last like 15 years, it's mm-hmm. been a pretty large t- topic for conversation among uh, constituents seems like the two parties are very divided on that issue. There's some issues that are a bit worse that we'll get into, but that's a pretty divisive one. Um, is there anything that you've proposed to kind of like break that that gridlock? Um, like what's the, the best way to um, – actually, well, I'll just – I'll let you go on that one. Yeah, the line, line five is a complicated issue, and I don't think we should just talk about line five. Line five is not the problem. Line five represents maybe four major problems, issues – to make the decision about line five. So what are the issues about line five that we need to have the facts to make decisions? Economy, energy, environment, and the rule of law. Those are the four major issues that uh, will probably decide should line five be renovated into a tunnel or should it be completely decommissioned and some other option. So if you look at the facts of those four areas, fact find, look at your options, then make your decision. So you want to go to the roots of the issue rather yeah, than so the symptoms? Yes, you have to. That's what America has to go back to. Everybody wants to end up saying, well, I find the issue. No, it's not. It's why do you want to keep, just ask anybody, a Republican, Democrat, oil people, or environment, why do you want it shut? Why do you want it open? It comes down to those four areas. Sure. When you talk about those four areas, now you have to talk about the facts of those four areas. And unfortunately, I think there's disinformation and misinformation about some of those facts on both sides. Sure. So, I, and I think I obviously have a line of questioning and I'm going back to the roots of some of these questions instead of talking about the symptoms is something I want to get into mm-hmm. a little bit later in the show. But I, I want to keep rolling through yep. some, of the, uh, um, some of these questions. So, again, back to the environment, carbon emissions. Um, I imagine, you know, just... You see the, the letters next to people's names. So you, you make assumptions. I just want to have a conversation with you. How would you imagine? How do you have any proposed plans on 
you know, how you would go about reducing carbon emissions, moving away from natural gases. I'm assuming something that would be part of your long-term goal. Um, so could, could you elaborate on that plan um, about how yeah. you would reduce those? Yeah, so it's good. Is there that much of a difference between the Republicans and the Democrats about the energy policy? I believe, again, if you look at a Republican, ask him a very simple question. Do you believe renewable energies or carbon, you know, uh, carbon neutral energy is the way to go? I would believe everyone would say that. Now it comes over to the devil's always in the details. How do you do that? Sure. I think a lot of the Republicans will think that the Democrats are doing this, you know, haphazardly and are going to devastate the economy on the way going to a carbon neutral, uh, a carbon neutral energy policy. I don't think that's true either. You have to make a transition. The transition should be, it, it, it should be, it's important enough for the transition to commence and go forward quickly, but not stupidly. Not, you know, we're not going to freeze the Upers or the Northern Michiganders out sure. because we're going to have a lack of, uh, of, of oil or the lack of natural gas. No, that's not the intent at all. Sure. Um, the final question on like the, the environment and energy, have you, had any opinions towards nuclear energy? Is that something that you think is ready now, maybe should be looked into in the future? Uh, what, are, what are your takes on that? Nuclear energy provides maybe around 20% of the energy in the United States right now. If you do the same thing and just say no nuclear energy, drop another 20% down. You thought the Russian oil and, and was an issue or the Russian oil uh, gas or, uh, nat- uh, sorry, Russian oil uh, gas or coal was an issue worldwide, drop off nuclear and you'll have a, a major problem. Nuclear nuclear is important. I think it should be part of the plan. Okay. That's an excellent answer to the question. So I, I want to move to um, to veterans. You made note of the single VA hospital located in Iron Mountain, the only one in the first district. And no hate towards the people of Iron Mountain, but that's not exactly a very centrally located area, you know, for the first district. Um why, why is there only one, and how would you propose to get veterans the care that they've earned? Yeah, I, I'm, the Iron Mountain is centrally located for the UP, so not for the 1st District. I understood mm-hmm. that. But the Iron Mountain VA hospital, important for the UP of 300,000 uh, people, probably half, almost half of the people of the 1st District and centrally located. So okay. I'd like to end up saying quite important. Medical care is not just inpatient care, it's outpatient care. And uh, Northern Michigan has facilities for outpatient uh, uh, care, uh, and so does uh, the Upper Peninsula. Veterans' medical care, health care, mental health care are important. It needs to be delivered. It needs to be adequate. Will it be in every town? Of course not. We're in a rural area. It's not going to be in every town. And even if it's in a big city, you'll probably still have to drive an hour, maybe even two hours in a big city from one end to another end to get, uh, to get the care. The Veterans Administration is undergoing a master plan that my opponent actually sits on some of the committees for, uh, for that. Veteran care, I believe, probably should not be privatized. Uh, I'm concerned that the Republicans are privatizing uh, the VA system for veterans. There's very specific stuff for veterans that the Veteran Administration does better, mental health. Sure. A yeah, heart attack's a heart attack, but mental right. health issues are very important. And veterans have a, 
I distinct differences in some of their issues. Oh, of course. That. That's actually a great transition because I was about to go into that next. Mental health and employment are issues that are overrepresented, overrepresented in uh, you know, veteran communities. How would you seek to fix those specific problems? And are there any solutions that may help solve them both at the same time? Like simple employment may ease the minds of some of those sufferings from mental health problems, kind of giving them a sense of purpose. Is there anything that can kind of, you know, work in those both, one solution kind of for both for of them? For all of us, not just veterans, are we talking about? No, just for veterans specifically. But is there are there any solutions that you have for, you know, the mental health crisis and unemployment issues for veterans and maybe, an, you know, a solution that kind of, help soothe both of those at once. If we end up saying mental health is very difficult, isn't it? It, it, Mm -hmm. Let's end up saying mental health is part of medical care. Medical care, medical problems, mental health problems should be on a parity. For insurance cover, VA coverage should be on a parity, should uh, should be equal. You know, we end up talking about mental health, big areas of mental health, just like there's big areas in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Cancer is quite different from a heart attack. Cancers, there's markedly different cancers and different causes of cancer. So with the veterans, if I could say schizophrenia is probably schizophrenia. Bipolar is probably bipolar, regardless if you're a veteran or a civilian. What are the differences? Post-traumatic stress disorders, uh, maybe the causes of the depressions. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the contributing factors to mental illness that makes it worse, doesn't make it but probably makes it worse, of course, unemployment, addictions, substance abuse, um, isolations, all of that can make it worse. Now, if, uh, if veterans have a higher degree of unemployment, they're going to be harmed more. Anybody that's unemployed mm-hmm. is harmed more if you don't have the financial resources. So the, in many ways, the, vet, the vet's mental health issues are the same as yours and mine mental health issues. Sure. Um, but they can be addressed differently from the vet's just like a women's group, just like a men's group, just like a seniors group, a youth group. The veterans have their own area of their health care that's been helping them quite a bit. Sure. And so do you have any specific, you know, proposals that you would like to see? You know, do you have anything that you could propose to help solve some of those issues? It comes down to resources, doesn't it? It comes down to, as a federal level, now as a congressperson, you're running at a federal level. So what's stopping? What's hindering? Uh, say, finding solutions where addressing the issues. One is money. Two is, should the VA be privatized or kept, you know, should it be privatized or kept as a public institution, the VA? We have to have some fundamental understanding of how we're going to address the problem and how much money we'll put to the problem. I think right now, the issue in the mental health, not just in uh, the uh, first district, you could take all of Mission, take the United States, there's not enough providers or resources for to care for mental illness, to help prevent for mental illnesses. That is a problem, not just with veterans either. That's a problem across the board. Sure. So you'd mentioned you know, earlier, rural broadband. Um, it's an issue that's actually fairly bipartisan, at least in the identification of the issue, um, while maybe the two parties have different ways of trying to solve the problem. Republicans kind of look to facilitate easy growth by deregulation, encouraging private companies to provide more service while getting out of the way, while Democrats want a more hands-on approach from different levels of government to kind of make it you know, easier from that end. Um, what would be your plan to get rural northern Michiganders better access to Internet? Yeah. So the approach, I think, of our current Congress, uh, our current representative is to let the private enterprise 
address the broadband. I think in the last six years, has it worked? It hasn't worked. If you go to rural areas, there's not enough money or profit margin to be made for a company to come on in into an area that's sparsely populated over a large, uh, a, a, period, a, a large space of time to make enough profit. That's where the government needs to end up coming in. If you're coming into densely populated areas, there's where private enterprise could do quite well because mm-hmm. there's enough population. So the government, just like they ended up doing probably in the 30s and 40s, and that's, you know, I, I'm young and I'm actually too young to remember that. That's what the rule, the, the, like the rural electrification association came in. There wasn't enough power. So the government said the rural area will help you out. The government program to sponsor it in. I think broadband probably needs the same sort of stuff. You have the developers need to see a profit margin. There's not a big profit margin in rural areas. We need help and assistance by the government. Okay, so but you you do understand, I guess, like in an argument that it is a bit of a uh, a mix of both private for, like you mentioned, like a bigger population areas, which there aren't a ton of in the first district, Marquette, Petoskey being you know two of the bigger ones. But then for those rural, more rural areas, they need governmental help, is what you're you're arguing for. Yeah, it has to be a win win. Uh, it has to be a win win too, doesn't it? Sure. The government. I'm not saying the government come on in and develop the compa- uh, companies do the pricing, deliver it. No, no. The government needs to assist to help it on in. And that's what's happening right now. If you end up seeing the broadband development, it's with government assistance and private enterprise placed together. It's a win for us. So the government will assist the private companies that have the expertise, will get their profit margin into it, who benefits us. Sure. I think it's a great, it's a, it needs to be a win-win. To say that the government will do it all by themselves, wrong. To say that private enterprise will do it all by themselves, where has it been? You know, we haven't gotten it. Sure. So moving just to the next topic, um, probably one of the top two hot-button topics for northern Michigan, gun rights. Uh, Everyone up here knows someone who owns a gun or two. Um, And I would even argue that, you know, moderate Democrats in rural Michigan also actually are more pro 2A than maybe an, you know a, a coastal Democrat would be. So I, I don't want to preamble too much, though, either. So I want to get your raw take on how you would handle the Second Amendment issue for you know our district. Yeah, the Second Amendment. Let's, I think both sides have to come to what is the problem again. Just like we talked about in Line 5. It's not Line 5. It's energy. It's economy. You know, how we put the four issues. So let's go to the 2A issue. It's not gun. It's, it's gun violence. Gun violence is the problem. We need to address gun violence. When people end up saying we're taking away your uh, guns, not true. Absolutely not true. It's gun violence is what we need to address. So if we could, I'd like to get out and drop the Second Amendment, even though we all support the Second Amendment. It's in the Constitution. It's there. The Constitution also, you know, well, we have to address, as Americans, gun violence. That is the issue, plain and simple. So whoever says the Democrats taken away, uh, taken away your guns, I, I don't think true. At least not in this district, and not uh, not for me. But I sure. would like to address the gun violence. So I guess maybe some of your medical expertise could even play into this question. What are like what what would you then propose for getting rid of gun violence? I mean, we've talked about mental health issues, which mm-hmm. I think it plays heavily into a lot of the gun violence. So what are some of those root causes that you would try to attack to, to fix yeah. fix that? Yeah, this is what I think the United States made. 
we missed the ball on this one. About 25 years ago, the NRA outlawed, if I could, literally outlawed the CDC from researching gun violence. So we don't have a lot of science on this. I more follow the facts. So what are, how can you prevent gun violence? You have to study what time of gun violence are there. Out of, say, 45,000 people that die of gun violence every year, 25,000 are suicide. Well, what issue, uh, how can you prevent some of those suicides by gun violence? We just mentioned mental health is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. It's a, a large part. By far, the majority of the gun violence is based on suicide. So what research is there about guns and suicide? It was outlawed in the United States to study the issue until 2019, the Dickey am- Amendment. Um, a, a congressperson, Dickey, was actually became very good friends with Dr. Rosenberg from the CDC, a prominent researcher. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dickey, uh, sorry, I mean, Representative Dickey died, and who did the eulogy? Dr. Rosenberg. These are two sides that are coming together to agree to study the issues. So if you look at gun violence, suicide is number one. Then you have urban, uh, ur- urban violence. It's usually, sorry, young uh, blacks against young blacks. Then you got family violence. You got uh, police shootings. You got um, then accidental shootings. They're all quite different, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So you need to have the research and the data to what, what works, what doesn't work. Then the United States, once they're presented with the facts, then could make uh, some judgment on the solution. We haven't even addressed the right problem yet. Everybody's talking about you're taking away my guns. That is not the issue. The issue is gun violence. The Republicans and Democrats, can we agree upon that? Yes, we can. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the cause of the gun violence in these five different groups of you know, a gun, uh, 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 gun deaths? Once we have that, what are possible solutions? Then let's debate the solutions and move forward. Sure. Well, you know, that was an interesting breakdown. I don't think I've even heard before, even on a conversation of guns, which is so you know, prevalent in our society, is... Not only do you need to attack, you know, the issue of gun violence instead of not just looking at just guns specifically in the Second Amendment, like you mentioned, but even just like the breakdown in between the the different metrics, like the suicides, the uh, you know, uh, inner city, you know, shootings, and what all these different sort like the stuff that happens in rural areas. Those have different they have different root causes. Yes. So I think that's a very interesting point that you made. Um, and that's what the United States has to do. We have to get back over this divide. We are so divided that we can't even sit in the same room and talk to each other. So as soon as you end up talking about guns, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about women's reproductive rights, mm-hmm. people just go to the left and they go to the right. They, uh, they you know, get into their little safe area and they won't even listen to the other side. Sure. So, and guns is a great one that the first district could be great representatives throughout the whole nation. We are addressing the problem, the root cause of the problem. We'll look at the facts, and we'll agree how to move forward. Sure. Um, you, you already mentioned abortion. That was my next topic, and I, I do want to get to that next. However, I want to just like interject briefly with a question about social media, because you had mentioned that everyone kind of goes to their safe space on their own side, and I think that's often promulgated by social media you know, on both sides of the aisle. Agreed. Everyone just goes in, and they have their echo chambers, and that's just kind of what they listen to. So. I, I guess how do you how what, I just frankly what's your opinion on social media and do you think there's some way that people can get out of their bubbles and kind of more into the middle to have conversations? Wouldn't that be great if they did? Um, as running as a Democrat, 
I listen to Fox. I listen to CNN. I want to hear both sides. Um, I, I will try to, if I could say, fact check the side I agree with and fact check the side that I disagree with. We have to come back. I don't want to say to the middle, but we have to find maybe the middle's where the truth is a lot of times too, right? Sure. So the social media, I think what they're after is a lot of times is readership, business, profit. Mm-hmm. You don't get profit from being boring or taking the, the middle ground. You have to excite people on either end. That's, that's damaging to our country. It's damaging to all of us. We need to end up going, just like we talked about, line five, you know, guns. We have to address the facts, regardless, regardless of what we believe of, of our opinion of that. So, yeah, I think um, when I do the town halls, Mostly Democrats show up, even though we said we want Republicans independent, we want no vote. And sometimes I end up saying my biggest disappointment about the town halls is that they're not all Republicans. I want Republicans and independent at my town halls. I want them to listen to some of these issues to see if I could bring them out of their bubble. Sure. Right? See if we could come to some common agreement on what's best in the first district. I think we have been misled in the first district for the last 10 years about uh, both, and we're going farther and farther apart. We need candidates are willing to find the facts, address the issues, get to the root cause, solve problems, don't create and divide us more. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Dr. Bob Lorenzer on the WMKT Special Edition interviews. At a time when misinformation is all too common on social media, we take great pride in bringing you the news that matters, that impacts your family, news you can trust. Local broadcast journalists bring you the facts, covering the stories breaking in our community and across the globe. Text RADIO to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on local journalism. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Glenn Beck. MasterCard has now joined forces with the United Nations Mm. to come up with a new credit card that measures your carbon footprint. And when you've hit your limit, it shuts off. Wouldn't that be great? Or if you would have bought the New York Post and it said transaction disallowed, inappropriate material. Card not authorized for transactions at Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby. That's coming. The Glenn Beck Program. On WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Special Edition Interviews. We're here with Bob Lorenzer, a Democrat running for Michigan's 1st Congressional District against Jack Bergman. So I just marching into abortion. Mm-hmm. It's probably the touchiest topic, especially recently and very recently with Whitmer deciding she's going to ask the Supreme Court, you know, Michigan Supreme Court, to um, basically dismantle the 1931 law that would ban abortion if Roe v. Wade ever were in the future overturned. So I saw on your website that you, you say that you're pro-choice and pro-life. How do you walk that, you know, unarguably very fine line? I think it's, I think more people should walk that fine line. If we end up talking about, let me explain first, pro-life. Pro-life for me means more than you're just anti-abortion. You have to support the family 
the the family, the mother, the child before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and after pregnancy. After pregnancy, if the child's born, being pro-life means does that child have a chance? Are they provided education, health uh, care? That is being pro-life all the way down the line. Pro-choice is to respect people's individuals, uh, individuals' decisions on, on these issues. I think you could be both. You, uh, you could be both. I find it interesting that a lot of uh, a side will say we're after individual liberty. You can't tell me what to do. But then it comes over to uh, abortion. Then that side will tell you exactly what to end up doing. Abortion has probably let's look at even uh, I think Colorado. Colorado decreases their incidence of abortion by 50% by how education, education, birth control, counterceptions. You could be pro-life, you could be pro-choice, all in one. I think it's the best choice to end up being if you were a Republican. Now, a lot of people will end up saying, oh, late-term abortions. Um, no. You know, Roe versus Wade went down to a viability, a reasonable part, but outlawing abortions, you know, completely, is that the solution again? Is that the solution to the problem? You're going to pull it underground. You're going to make it more dangerous. It's still going to be there. It's going to be, I'm after harm reduction. I don't think anybody in many ways would be called pro-abortion. That is the thing to do. Most people are placed in a difficult situation that that's one of their alternatives I think if you believe in freedom, individual, you don't want uh, a religious, your religious beliefs to go over my religious belief. Sure. They're, they're both very, very compatible. So the kind of the, the transition is what we've kind of alluded to throughout the entire show so far was, you know, whether it be gun control, abortion, other divisive topic, it seems that elected officials uh, and frankly now the public over the past 25 years argue um, about solutions to the symptoms and not the root cause. Um, you know, abortion, for instance, solutions you could have range from this abstinence to access to contraceptives would result in un- fewer unplanned pregnancies. Those are obviously examples both parties wouldn't accept both of, but um, they're often very rarely discussed on a, you know on public platforms. Um, so, how do you broadly seek to get to the root of issues and get the public get? to argue about root of issues instead of these symptoms. That's what we have to do if we want to move forward. We have to, we got, let's get back to social media. Social media wants us to talk about, you know, the guns, the abortions, and not the root causes. How about if social media went to like just what you're doing to the root causes and said, how can we do this? How can we have a better economy? How can we have livable wages? How can we move forward? How can we get broadband in over here versus saying government bad, government good? It doesn't make sense. Let's get to the issue. How do we get broadband here? How do we decrease abortion? How do we decrease uh, gun uh, violence? Then put in the same room, the Republicans and the Democrats that wouldn't even talk with each other, put in the same room, address the root causes and see what they come up with. They'll find out, I think, for gun violence, they, they probably will find out they don't understand as much as they thought they did. They, they have to separate, oh, maybe the 1,000 deaths a year from the police have a completely different approach than family violence, and that has a completely different uh, uh, control than preventing deaths from suicide. You'll find the same thing with, with abortion. But what do we focus on? Yep, 
will focus on less than 1% of all abortions that are after viability. At 1%. We don't talk about the 99% of the, of, the, uh, of the time where the root causes. So, yes, social media could help and polls back in the middle. Let's talk about the facts. Let's talk about the problems. And let's get reasonable solutions. There's where I trust members of the 1st District. Northern Michiganders and Youpers place together and say, how can we hold the family together? How can we hold our values and our liberties together and fix these problems to make us make uh, the place we live better? So I, this is a question that just kind of popped into my head as we were coming um, along through the show. Um, there was a recent study release that Michigan ranks, I think it was 37th on SAT scores in the nation. Um, education actually is not something that's very talked about too often in Northern Michigan and you know, in the UP because, you know, there's this, as we've talked about, there's a plethora of dividing topics and that one tends to, you know, just not come up as often, right. but that, that is still a problem. Have you given any thought to, uh, the quality of education that, you know, Michiganders deserve? Yeah, I think a lot better than what we're getting. Um, education is vital. I think if you look at a couple of different things, what will propel us in the first district for a stronger economy, better jobs, livable uh, wages, uh, be able to retire with some dignity and money? Education, let's get down to it. It's going to be education. It's going to be health care and infrastructure. You get those three going in the Upper Peninsula in northern Michigan, our economy will start taking off. We got the land. We got the beauty. We got the environment. We got to protect the environment. We have everything else, and we have spirited, uh, say, spirited, independent people that are really, if you get out of some issues, are very kind to each other. Mm -hmm. We will take off, and education is going to be part of it. The big part with education is availability, and I think it needs to be improved. It's availability and cost, cost especially of secondary education. We have to innovate, make secondary education affordable and accessible, and there's ways of doing that, and sure. we could be leaders on that. So the last single topic that I have is affordable housing. That's been a pretty – it's a fairly recent conversation that people have been having, but it's, it's becoming very, very vital. Um, how, how It's a, a bit more of a local issue as well. Um, any path forward to making housing more available and less expensive? Uh, again, all these issues they're bringing up are, you know, if they're easy fixes, we wouldn't be in the problem. Sure. Would we? So I, let me go back a little bit. When I was uh, growing up, going out to Aspen to go skiing, boy, that was a problem back then, affordable housing. They couldn't get the workers a place to live to cater to the skiers and the tourists. Um, that problem now is throughout the whole United States, isn't it? So let me talk about my hometown, Marquette, knowing a little bit more about it. 25% of probably the housing is done by investors. Well, you take the investors inside of there because they're, they're, they're making money off of this. It's hard for our other people to get in. If you don't have a livable wage, affordable housing becomes much more of a problem. You know, as, as, a, as a doctor, um, if I could say I don't have an affordable housing problem, look at my income level. So affordable housing is directly linked into a livable wage. Well, if you're, if you're making $15 an hour, how are you going to have save any money for retirement, afford health care, get your uh, kids into college for training, or have housing? 
So it goes back to now to a livable wage, too. I think the housing issues will have to be addressed at a local level, a state level, and a federal level. All three have to get together. Um, A local level would be um, nimbyism, right? Not in my backyard. No, I don't want smaller housing or multi-housing units in my backyard because I live in a neighborhood of big houses and individual houses. Those big individual houses cost a lot more than smaller houses or duplexes or triplexes or apartments. So the local levels could do stuff with zoning. The state levels could do stuff with uh, um, probably grants. Federal levels could also do issues. If they all three work together, I think they could work on this issue. Sure. And we definitely have the land for it as well, you know. Yeah, we got the land, don't we? We we have the land. And when to actually construction, give us some nice jobs with this. But it it really is tied into the economy, too. If you don't have a a bustling economy... um, kind of a two-edged sword. If you don't have a bustling economy, you're not going to have housing. And if you have too much of a bustling economy, then your housing is going to be too expensive. Right. So that's why all three groups have to end up working together to make things work. Sure. Yeah, this is a con- this is a topic that I pretty much just ask everyone just because it's just so it it it's just so annoying for most people. Uh, how would you be able to get federal help to fix Michigan roads? We're doing pretty well at that, aren't we though? Well, so we spend one hundred to three hundred dollars less than surrounding states like yeah. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, and Illinois. So uh, maybe there's an argument that we're doing well, but we're not doing comparative to other states. Right. So the infrastructure goes back down to federal support for infrastructure of different states. So if we end up saying, and I don't know this, is the state giving Michigan less than their fair share? Uh, I don't know that answer, but that would be if that's true or not. Or does Michigan have more neglect? You know, do we have more decades of neglect than other states have had? I don't know that one either. But I can tell you that there's a lot of places in the United States, infrastructure has been neglected, not just in Michigan, throughout the whole United States. So when you look at, like, engineers that said, how are our roads? How are our bridges? How are our hospitals? How are the VA hospitals? How old are those? We have neglected infrastructure, if you want to call it that, for a long period of time. And then you say, why have we, get down to the cause, why have we neglected that? If I, you know, I own a home, you have to take care of it. If you don't take care of it, all of a sudden the expense becomes a lot. You have to take care of it each and every year. And the United States hasn't done that very well. We have neglected it, and now we're paying the price. Sure. So I, I kind of wrap up the show just kind of giving the, uh, the individual I'm talking to just the, the chance to say anything to the, the public that they, that, Maybe it's a topic they want to say or just kind of like, you know, their, their campaign pitch or anything like that. Yeah. I'm running, I'm running for Congress in the 1st District because I believe our needs of the 1st District are not being met by our current representatives. I'd like to unify, pull together the Republicans and the independents, the Democrats, and the politically, uh, the people that just have given up on politics. We'd like to work on solutions to solve our problems. If we talk about our problems, I don't want to create more problems by dividing people. I want to get into like line five, talk about root causes of suicide, mental health, what is needed for our roads, where should our money end up going? Is this, does this work for broadband or not? I'd like to see the federal government to get out of people's daily lives and say to the big ticket issues. I'd like them to end up addressing Medicare solvency that was disappearing in what, 2026? 
I'd like them to work on Social Security, stuff that we can't do at a federal or local level. The federal government needs to get back into federal issues and maybe stay out of personal issues, abortion, <laughs> um, maybe gun control, it's really gun violence. Let's get back to the issues. Let's, let's make this a better place to live and to work. I like the, the economy. A big issue right now is the economy, and we talked about that indirectly. You know, the, the economy, we got to get that back thriving. That would allow us to solve many of our issues that are related uh, uh, to money. Once you solve those issues, it would be a great place to live, to work, to play. Then your children would be have the opportunity to, to stay here. They won't have to move away for a job, for education. They don't have to move out of their, their rural community because there's a lack of health care or infrastructure or theater or arts or craft beers. Let's get back to what we want as First District. Let's quit attacking each other. Get to solutions of problems and a congressperson, they're federal issues. Then the state, I'd wish the state to do the same thing for state issues, and I hope the best for all our local people to address their townships and their cities. That's what Michigan needs to do. That's what our district needs. That's what the United States needs to do. We will take care of ourselves. Dr. Bob Lorenzer, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you very much. Of course.